0: then you get home and your kids want to play with you and you find joy in your kids for a little while and things are up and then they get into a fight five minutes later and things go down and it feels like a roller coaster ride and the question this morning is this where is God in the midst of the ups and downs? I find it easy to celebrate God when things are going up but it's hard to celebrate God when things are going down so this morning, we're going to read through this passage. It's going to be up on the screen. It'll be in your Bibles there. We're going to read through this, and we're going to do something quite different. And this could just totally flop on me. And so I'm going to take a risk with you all this morning. Anybody ready for a risk? Wow, you guys are enthusiastic this morning. All right, anybody ready for a risk? All right. Jeremiah, let's go. Kate, let's go. I got two helpers today. So listen, here's what we're going to do. This side of the room, you can split. Hey, guess what? Scotty and Janet, you guys went through a nasty split today. All right. (laughs) Right down the middle Scotty, you're over here. Sherry, you're over here. You guys are over here. You're on this side. You guys over here are the downside of life. (laughs) You guys uh, over here better get enthusiastic because you guys are on the upside of life. All right. There you go. There you go. So as we read through this, and we need some audience participation, when you see something that's going up in life in this life of Joseph, you need to tell over here, you need to tell your man to put a sign up, up. Thank you, Vanna. All right. When it's not going so well, you all over here need to tell Kate to put her sign up and say down, down. down. You all good with this? This could be a train wreck waiting to happen. We're going to try this together. We'll see if we can get through it. Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Silpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He made an ornate or multicolored robe for him. Yeah, up. Y'all catching that? Who loved him the most? His father. Daddy loved him. Anybody else want to be loved by dad? Some of y'all have father wounds in this room because daddy didn't love you very much. It's good when dad loves you. Verse 4: When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a word to him. Y'all are catching on. Well, Joseph had a dream, and when he told to his brothers, Joseph had a dream. Y'all have a dream. But his brothers hate him all the more, and he said to them, listen to this dream I had. Yes, boo. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. Well, your sheaves gathered around mine, and they bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hate him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. You got it. Boo. You all catching the picture? Dad loves him. Dad loves him, adores him. He has a dream. God sends him a dream of what's about to happen. But his brothers hate him for this dream. Then he had another dream. Y'all are slow over here. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Boo. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept matter in mind. Boo. Verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. Why is that important? Where's Joseph. He's home, he's enjoying it, he's daddy's favorite. The boys are out in the heat, they are with all of the animals, the flock, Well, Joseph gets to sit down in the air conditioning, kick his legs up, and have a good time. Life is up, looking good. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem, come and I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring back word to me. Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him from the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue from their hands. Let's not take his life. Don't shed any blood. Come, throw him into the cistern where here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Hey, anybody have an older brother who's looked out for you at some point in your life? It's good when the older brother looks out for the younger brother. And so the older brother says, hey guys, let's not kill the kid. But let's try to maybe, maybe we can spare his life. That's a good thing. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him in the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's see if we can sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. That's a boo. He's about to be sold into slavery. Let's go to chapter 39 so you guys see the picture. He's going to be thrown into a cistern, he's going to be sold to the Israelites, he's going to Egypt. Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, the Egyptian, who is one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. He's in slavery. He's been taken down to Egypt, away from home. But the Lord was with Joseph. So that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Yeah, and when his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Yeah, Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted it to his care, everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of the Lord, of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Yay, go. Blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. Yay. You went from a slave to what? Being in charge of everything. Okay? And so... With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. (laughs) That's a good yay, right? I like that in the Bible. All right? And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. (laughs) We got a yay over here, but you know the funniest part? Here's the funniest part. It's coming from the pastor. (laughs) The pastor's saying yay to a woman. Come and say, come get in bed with me. (laughs) Sorry. That was a joy-filled answer. Okay, all right, moving on. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. Yay, he refused, right? He refused. Okay? Keep going on. Go to chapter verse 13. So he says no. He's refusing her. But When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand, he had run out of the house, and so he called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. He kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me and made sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Yeah, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Y'all catching it? Y'all catching this? But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord is with him. Who said boo? That's a yay. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Yeah, so the warden... So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. All right? So you guys catching the story. Now Joseph's in prison, but he's in charge of everything. He's in charge of the prison. Okay? Sometime later, a cupbearer and a baker of the king of Egypt Offended their master, the king of Egypt. And they get thrown in prison. Okay? And here's the deal. The cupbearer and the baker both have a dream while they're in prison. Guess who they call upon? Joseph. Verse 8. We both had dreams answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Yeah, He's going to use that. Okay, so the cup, chief cup bearer tells Joseph about this dream. Then the baker tells Joseph about a dream. Verse sixteen: When the chief cup baker saw that Joseph had a, given a favorite interpretation, he said, "Joseph, I also had a dream." And so he tells him his dream. And Joseph tells him what it means. And it's not a good, not a good interpretation. He says, "You're going to what? And your body on a pole." Verse 19, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Horrible way to die. Boo, yeah, boo. And so now the Pharaoh gives a birthday party, okay? He has a birthday party. And Yeah, yeah, good, good, I have a birthday party. And verse 21, he restored the chief cupbearer to his position. So that once again, put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to to him in his interpretation. Boo. Now, here's what happens. Look at verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. If you know the story, here's what happens. Joseph says to the cupbearer, hey, I'm going to tell you the dream. But when I tell you a dream and it's correct, remember me. When you get out of here, remember me. Go tell Pharaoh that I'm the one who interpreted the dream well and to let me out. And it says the cupbearer forgot him. Anybody else ever been forgotten before? Anybody ever have a promise broken against you? Someone promised you something and they broke it. How are you feeling? Boo, bad, down. You're feeling it. Genesis 41 verse 1. When two full years had passed, you might want to say boo on that one. That's down. He forgets him, and how long does Joseph now stay in prison after he forgets him? Two more years. Seems like God's forgotten him. Seems like life is a mess. I thought I was going to get out of here, I thought I was going to be rescued, I thought redemption was coming. But the chief cupbearer forgot me. And because he forgot me, now I'm in prison for two more years. But here's the deal as we see in Genesis 41 now Pharaoh has a dream. Yeah. And so Pharaoh has a dream. Guess who he's going to go to? Joseph. He's going to go to his cupbearer, and the cupbearer is going to say, What? I know a guy. They interpret my dream really well. Why don't you go find this guy named Joseph and have him interpret your dream? So, Pharaoh, verse 14, sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Yes, and when he had shaved and changed his clothes, and but I like the Bible because it's real here, right? I like a little detail. Some of y'all, you're in prison for over two years. Shaving's a problem, smell's a problem. I like that in the Bible. It's real. He came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said that you can interpret the dream. Yay. Yes. And so he interprets the dream for Pharaoh. You can read through it. He interprets the dream for Pharaoh. And in this dream, he's going to have some interesting things to say about what's going to happen to Egypt, verse 28 now, let's get to verse 28, chapter 41, verse 28, I know we're, I can't read it all, we'll be here all day, that's why I love this church, I knew I was in dangerous waters here doing this, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do, yay, he interpreted a dream correctly. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. Anybody else want that in life? Anybody else want great abundance? Where you don't have very many worries or concerns, it's just going to be hunky-dory, everything's great. Seven years of abundance. Egypt, seven years of abundance are coming your way. Verse 30, but seven years of famine will follow them then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. Y'all catching this? Verse 41. Flip over to verse 41, 41, 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Y'all catching this story? So Joseph goes from a brother who's the little runt, who's a pain in the backside, who tells his brothers about this dream he has, how they're all going to bow down to him, to them throwing him in a cistern, to them selling him off to Egypt, to him getting put in charge, to him, what, the down part, to him having Popper's wife accuse him of adultery, to now going to prison, but getting put in charge of the prison, to interpreting dreams, to now they forget about them, the cupbearer forgets about them, to being in prison for two more years, to now what? Pharaoh has a problem, needs someone to solve a dream, goes to Joseph. Joseph interprets the dreams correctly. There's going to be great abundance in the land of Egypt for seven years, but then famine's coming. But in all of this, Pharaoh says to Joseph, I'm now putting you in charge. Do you all feel the roller coaster of the story? It's like one good day and then a bad day and then a good day and then a bad day. What is going on in life? I don't know about you, but I so identify with Joseph here. It's one of the reasons I love the Psalms as well. Have you ever read the Psalms before? The the psalmists half the time are like, praise Jesus, praise God. And the next moment, they're in the doldrums of life. I hate my life. Take my life. I don't want to live anymore. And the next moment, they're like, but praise God for being faithful. And I'm like, wait, hold on. You're like schizophrenic. And they're like, we know. Welcome to the adventure with Jesus. Somewhere we've gotten this idea that our walk with Jesus, you came to faith in Jesus. You put your trust in Jesus. You're like, all right, where's the great abundance? Let it flow. And then what happens in life? Boo. I've had friends who came to faith in Jesus and weeks later got a cancer diagnosis. Chris, I thought the walk with Jesus was going to be abundance. I thought it was going to be fun. I thought it was going to be adventurous. I thought it was going to be the easy life. got cancer. And Joseph's story here is the ups and downs of it all, the twists and the turns. Y'all can go sit down. You can take your signs with you. So if it gets exciting during this message here for the last part of it, just put your sign up or down or if it gets boring, just put it down. I take no offense if it's boring. I might slap you around with it to wake you up. Go me, Genesis 4. 42, Genesis 42, and Genesis chapters 42, 43, and 44, hopefully you'll read that even if you didn't read it this morning. You know what I say? If you're bored with me, read your Bible. It's cool. Read. God speaks through his word. Genesis 42 through 44, you'll read it. Let me give you a summation of what's going on, and I'm going to read Genesis 45, and we'll get into our big points of the day. In chapter 42, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt for food. They come from Canaan. And they come to Joseph, and guess what they do, guys? They bow down to him. That dream that Joseph had years before about his brothers bowing down to him, guess what it's done? come to fruition it's come true and so Joseph's brothers because they're in a severe famine up in Canaan as well I should have gotten a map they traveled the hundreds of miles down into Egypt and they are in search of food they need food during this time and Joseph he's going to act harshly to them to test them to see where their hearts are After 20 years of being away from them, he wants to see what's going on with his brothers, where their hearts really lie. But Joseph, he's going to have them go back to their father. And he's going to have them bring back his true-blooded brother. His name is Benjamin. And they're like, he's like, hey guys, I need you to go back to Canaan, back to your dad, and you're missing one of the siblings. You're missing a guy named Benjamin. He's my real brother from my real mom and dad. I want to see Benjamin. I want to see my brother again. And so, sent back off to go get Benjamin. But Joseph's going to play a trick on him. Joseph is going to do some cunning things to his brothers through these chapters. And then there's Judah, the brother who swore that their father had nothing to do with Benjamin, steps forward and talks with Joseph about his father, how his father will die if anything happens to his brother Benjamin. Benjamin is now Jacob's prized possession kid. and went from Joseph and now it's Benjamin, Benjamin's the favorite, and if anything happens to Benjamin, the brothers know it, dad will kill us, dad will die himself, nothing's to happen to Benjamin, but Joseph is adamant, go get your brother Benjamin, he needs to come and see me, so through all the twists and turns, go to Genesis 45, I want to read these verses in the midst of all this. And drive home the point of what's about to happen. Genesis 45, let me read the first 11 verses. And then we're going to see about this ups and downs of life. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And Joseph wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Wouldn't you be that way? You haven't seen your brother for 20 years? You've forgotten about him. Life has moved on. We're doing our own deal up in Canaan. Joseph, who? And he comes before him, and and guess what? He says, I'm Joseph. I'm the one you sold into slavery. And they're terrified. Verse 4, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. <laughs> are you sure you want to do that? When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Verse 5, look at this. And now do not be distressed. Take it easy, guys. It's all right. I can see it on your face. You guys are freaking out. It's okay. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. What? What? Who says this? Don't be angry. What's he say? Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God, he sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler over all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay you shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and great grand, or your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. If You got your notes? Let's do this together. I want to give you what we see here. Out of these chapters. The first is this. We need to look at the upper story. What is the upper story? This is the upper story of what God sees. What God is doing in the heavens, What God is up to. A grand master story that God is playing out down below. Here's the upper story in God's sovereignty. God knowing all things. God running and ruling all things. He uses the ups and the downs of life to bring about his purposes. The ups that we saw... And the downs that we saw are all together in one story. And they were bringing about God's purposes. Notice in Genesis 45, 5, what it says here again. Let's go back through it. It says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Joseph has a different perspective on this. He says that God sent me down here. See, God knew that after 20 years that Joseph would be put in charge of the land and he knew that there was a famine coming and he knew that he needed Joseph to preserve the nation of Israel. Y'all see in the story that God is playing out here. That God is going to be the one who is behind all of it. And God has positioned Joseph through the ups and downs, to be in a place where he could save lives. Think of it this way, guys. If Joseph is not where he is when the famine hits, then the nation that God has revealed himself through and put his plans through would be dust. It would be no longer. Verse 7 says it right here. And I love this about our God. Our God does not break his promises. It may not be for 20 years, but God does not break His promises. But God, you're slow right now. Hurry up. Oh, you have no clue through the, all the ups and downs what God is doing, what God is up to. Guys, God knows what He's doing today as well. I don't know where you are in your ups and downs, but God knows what He's doing. And I find comfort in this that. His ways are not my ways, and his thoughts are not my thoughts. Praise God, thank God for that. Because my thoughts are so limited to just me. They're so limited to a small scope of things. But God sees all things, over all things, and above all things. He is doing things that you and I cannot see even right now. So That's the upper story, but what about the lower story? This is where you and I live. This is where we reside. What is God doing from the upper story to connect with the lower story? Here's the lower story in this. We've got to endure these times knowing that God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purposes. God is working. Guys, I, I, I meet a lot of people who put their faith in Jesus Christ, and when things get hard, the downs of life come, they throw in the towel and they say, I'm out of here. I thought the Christian life was supposed to be full of abundance and joy. Not the downs of life. And it's in these moments that people abandon the faith. They say, you know what, I'm done. Throw in the towel, I'm out of here. For some of you, you've hit the downs in life. And I've got friends who have turned to a bottle for their remedy. I got friends right now who are strung out on drugs right now because guess what? The downs of life happened and they had nowhere to turn to. And so they turned to a bottle. They turned to a, 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 some pills. They turned to something else. They turned to cheating on their spouse. They have turned to something besides God in the midst of their downs. Anybody in the room ever had a prayer you asked for and God said no to you? Please? If you haven't, you haven't been praying a whole lot. You haven't asked God for a whole lot. And it's hard when God says no, is it not? Or God says wait. Timing's not right. Wait. Come on, God, hurry up. This is like McDonald's, fast food. Let's go. Speed it up. God says wait. Wait. Anybody else notice this as well? I jotted this down last night in my notes because I just, I think it's where we are as the church in a way, as a whole in America. Do you notice that the ups and downs of Joseph were to benefit others? Anybody notice that? It's to save the life of a nation. And here's what God just said to last night to tell you guys this, that your ups and downs are actually for the benefit of others and not just about yourself. We get into this mindset that life is about me. Life is about what I want to do. And when things are not going well, I can't see the picture. So God must hate me and you don't see what God is doing. God is doing something bigger that is going to be for the benefit of others. The downtimes, God is going, I am working, and it's not just for you, but it's for your family, for your friends, for your coworkers. I'm at work. You can't see it right now, but I am at work. What if we as a church were to begin to get a kingdom mentality? That church is not about me. I've said it to you guys a hundred times, I'll say it again. Life group is not about you. This is very passionate on my heart. I've had people like, Life group is boring. You sound like my kid because he can't play a video game. But, two, is this look at the people around you. Maybe God sent you there that night to be bored, but to pray for people around you. Church is boring not about you it's not it's not about you you said when you said i'll follow jesus you said jesus is about your kingdom not about my own kingdom that's what you said the day you signed up and said i'm following jesus you said it's about your kingdom and not about my own personal kingdom jesus so if it's about the kingdom of God, then we look for ways that God is working. We say, God, how can I join you in building your kingdom up? How do I join you? So let me give you a few things in the lower story we need to do this morning. Encourage you with these things. Guys, through the ups and downs, we've got to endure. One of the ways we're going to endure is we believe that God is always with us. Anybody notice that in the story? Genesis 39, 2, 21, 23, the Lord was with Joseph. Anybody notice that phrase? I caught that phrase the first time I read it. I was like, this is awesome. Because I'll be honest with you, God, with what Joseph's going through, I'm thinking, God, you're not with Joseph. We have this mentality, guys, that we say this in the down times, God must not be with me. It's a lie of the devil. Because scripture teaches what? I am always with you. One of Jesus' last statements to the son, I will be with you till the end of the ages. I am always with you. I am always with you. I am always with you. Somebody say to yourself, God is with me this morning in my downtimes. God is with me. Yeah, you can't see it fully. And what we do in our generation is I can't feel God. I can't feel God. You're basing your life on feelings. It is going to be a train wreck. Because one day I feel like Taco Bell, the next day I feel like Arby's. Which is it? And God says what? I am with you always, so endure. I am always with you. Because I meet a lot of you, I get talked to a lot of you, and here's what I hear. Where is God in my hard times? Why? Because things are not going well. You think God has abandoned you? Our God does not abandon his kids. He doesn't. He's with us. You can't fully see it. But for some of you, the most simplistic thing you can do today is walk out of here and go, God is with me. I'm going to choose to believe the promise. I'm going to choose to believe the truth. That God is always with me. Even when I don't know it. Even when I don't it feel him, God is always with me. It's the truth. The second thing we need to do and to endure is we need to have an upper story perspective. Did you guys notice that again in Joseph in Genesis 45, 5, had the upper story perspective? He tells his brother, hey, guys, don't distress or get angry right now. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't, don't concern yourself with it because God is the one who sent me here. What? That God is up to something bigger than just this? That God is going to have a plan that is being played out? And I get to be a part of the plan? Notice this, that Joseph in Joseph's story, he does not ever complain about being in Egypt as a slave when before he was daddy's best. Anybody knows that in the story? Joseph doesn't complain. Here's the reality, guys. A lot of us play the victim card. When this part over here, the downtimes come. Oh, God, you're so mean. What why do I have to go through this? God, look at them down the street. They're heathens. They, they do things that oppose you, and yet good things seem to be happening to them. It's not fair. Yeah. Mama's been training someone. Life is not what? Fair. But Joseph had an upper story perspective. That God is working out his plan in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the downs. God is working out his plan. Because life is like a yo-yo in so many ways. We have the opportunity to abandon him in the High times and the low times. Some of us are doing it in the high times. Things are going well. You're abandoning God. Yet throughout his time in Egypt, Joseph is what? Joseph what? Faithful. You know what God's looking for this morning? You know what God loves? He loves his children when they're faithful to him. He loves when they don't crawl into bed with the things of the world. He loves when they say, wherever you go, Jesus, I will follow. I'll be faithful to you. Everybody notice, as you read through this, you're going to see Joseph has some kids. He's going to name his kids. I think it'll be up there, Manasseh and Ephraim. So they name their kids based on different things, but... In this story, Joseph has two boys and he names them Manasseh because it means God made him forget all his trouble and all my father's household. Isn't that interesting? He has a son in the midst of all this and he names him Manasseh because God has not forgotten him. Ephraim, God made Joseph fruitful in the land of my suffering. In the midst of the suffering, God has made him fruitful. What an upper story perspective. Like, guys, God is up to something bigger than you. That God is on a rescue mission for people. God is doing something way bigger than us. But the last thing I want you to see is this. In the midst of the story, God has given us a glimpse of what his ultimate redemption plan is going to be. And he uses Joseph as an example. Think about it this way, guys, and we'll close with this. Jesus is the greater Joseph. Think about this story. Ready? Jesus is greater than Joseph because he will do the right things, he won't tease his brothers, because he's got a vision from God of where he's supposed to go. He will be betrayed by his closest friends, just as Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. He will be handed over to death. Guys, he wasn't killed in that moment. Being handed over to Egypt, it was death, guys. Let's just be honest in the room. It was death. It was a death sentence. Jesus will endure the suffering and pain of Egypt, which represents our sin. Did you all know that? Egypt represents sin. And so he, Jesus, will endure the suffering and pain of Egypt. Jesus will be resurrected and given the place that is above every other place. Did you notice that with Joseph? He resurrects and gets where? To the first command in Egypt. Jesus is the great one who will be given the place above all places. And God will use death and resurrection to save a nation called the church. Did you all notice that? In the story, God is rescuing the nation of Israel. God is rescuing the church through the man of Jesus Christ. For he is the head of the church. And just as Joseph forgave his brothers, Jesus forgives us because we betrayed him and mocked him, spat on him. And yet Jesus extends forgiveness to you this morning. Guys, Jesus is the greater Joseph. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that Jesus is great? Do you believe that Jesus has forgiven you? Do you believe that Jesus has rescued you? But do you believe that God that Jesus is on a rescue mission for others? That he wants his kids back? And if so, we have a message to go to the world to declare to them that God is on a rescue mission and he wants his kids back. Would you take that and would you run with it? Would you run with it? Let's pray. So Father, we come to you right now and Father, we are so grateful for your faithfulness in the midst of the ups and downs. Father, the reality is for some of us in this room, we are in the down part of life right now. There are struggles abounding to us. There are things that we don't understand. There are things that we don't see. There's pain. There's tragedy. Father, in your mercy and in your grace, would you meet with us in our midst of our downs? Would you come and would you rescue us? Father, for some of us, the truth is we we just need simple faith, an easy faith, a faith that is small as a mustard seed, that we might just declare to you that you are always with us. You have not abandoned us. You are always going before us. You are our defender, you are our protector. You are our guardian of our souls and our hearts and our lives. Father, we thank you for the up times. We thank you for those times that we get to see specifically some of the things that you're doing. Those are cool moments. Those are great moments. Help us to celebrate those moments as well. But Lord, in the midst of the ups and downs of life, would you be near us? need you. Father, we need you this morning. Thank you for Joseph's life, but thank you even more for Jesus who is the greater Joseph. Thank you that Jesus is the king of our hearts, the Lord of all things, the ruler of all things, and he brings life to us. In Jesus' name we pray have Rick come down, Cooper, one of our elders. He's going to be on this side of the stage. I'll be on this side of the stage. Maybe you're going through a down period of life. We'd love to pray with you. Just tap us on the shoulder. We'd just we'd love to pray with you. Maybe you just want to pray in your own accord. Come pray. Maybe you just need to sit in your seat and pray this morning. Sit in your seat and just pray this morning. Maybe you just need to sing out this morning, sing out this morning. Let's just take this time in response. Rick, if you'll come down front on this side, I'll be on this side desire to pray this morning. Let's stand and let's sing.
1: Let the King Let the King the king of my heart be the
2: ya yeah. Your-
1: Holding on and when the night is holding on to me. God is holding on.
0: Hey, can we can we do something? I just I just noticed something out of that song is that whole thing of you're never going to let me down. Anybody ever felt like God let you down? Come on. Somebody in the room? Yes? And it just hit me. I got a lower story perspective. I don't see the upper story. You You guys see it? I think God let me down, but God is working out his plan. It's a bigger story. I just don't see it. But God is still at work. So can we sing through that little chorus again, that little bridge part, that God will never let me down? And can we really sing this at the top of our lungs, like we believe that God is doing something bigger than you see? And maybe it's not just about you. Maybe God is orchestrating things in the heavenlies that you and I can't see to affect the church, to affect the community, to affect our friends, to affect our coworkers, that God is doing something bigger than you and me. Let's sing this out one more time. Let's declare this. morning Then we'll close out in song. Father we come to you we thank you so much for being our God, thank you so much that the times that we think you let us down, it feels like you let us down it feels like you've abandoned us you have not, you're still with us that Lord you're working out our salvation behind the scenes thank you Jesus for that that Lord help us to give to you as cheerful people, as joyful people because we are part of a redemption story that is way bigger than us so Jesus, we thank you for who you are, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, grab your bulletins real quick, highlight a few things as people pass the offering baskets. One, it's not too late to sign up for a life group. Uh, they go on on Sundays uh, every other week with uh, Bill Fee. Uh, they meet actually after service today, uh, and then they're every other week. i uh, love for you to be a part of that. Or you can come on Tuesday night, uh, studying the story, Wednesday night studying the story, we also have an Acts study going on Monday nights here at the church from 6.30 to 8. We'd love for you to be a part of the Acts study. They're a little bit over halfway through the book of Acts. Love for you to be a part of that. Uh, so please sign up. we got men's group on Saturday morning, young men's group on Sunday night. Um, just see me, love, or contact me. love to get you plugged in to one of those areas. Um, also, Amplify, um, you guys have murder mystery coming up. Okay. Next Sunday, October 27th, 5 to 8 p.m. And uh, we'd love for all the teenagers to grab friends. Uh, This is an awesome opportunity to grab your friends that don't go to church, that uh, are not believers. Love for you to grab them and bring them to an event uh, as they go through a murder mystery. They do this every year. It's the murder at the Monster Mansion. Sounds intriguing. So you can be a part of that, uh, all the Amplify students. And also next Sunday, uh, we have a farewell dinner for Josiah and Emma as uh, will be their last Sunday with us. And so we'd love for you to come and be a part of service and stick around for lunch right afterwards. If your last name is A through L, please bring a side dish. If it's M through Z, bring a dessert. And I'm sure we'll have things plugged in and check the electricity at this building. By bringing the crock pots or whatever, we'll plug them in, bring them. We'd love for you to be a part of it. And if you're like me, you'll be running to Kroger right after service to grab some side dish. Okay, so please, please, please take note of that. But that's what we have going on. If you will stand this time, we're gonna sing a song that I love because Chris. one of the things it is—it's bigger than us. This Chris. is about salvation's tide rolling, and we got Don't one more announcement. It's yeah. Lisa,
4: right here. I forgot about Lisa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
4: all right. Um, go ahead. Go ahead and play the video. Don't you think he would have wanted us to Okay, so coming November 9th and 10th, Dead Serious About Life is coming to, just hit the black X box up at the top, says black. Thank you. Sorry. I had to stand in back there. Um, all right. So November 9th and 10th, coming to Western Brown High School is Dead Serious About Life. It's a Christian musical drama ministry group that has been around for quite a long time. So long that my kids, when they were in high school 18 years ago, were in it. Um, The Barger's granddaughters are also in it. Um, Guys, we need to get every teenager in this area to this play. Talks about teenage suicide, drug addiction, um, among uh, lots of things, bullying, different things that our kids are dealing with right now. So please, and what I've come to you today for, I don't like that light. <laughs> um, what I am coming for you today for is I need your help. All right? Um, we've had a couple churches that have kind of backed out and have things come up, so they were planning on helping us. So now I'm, I'm coming to you guys. Um, so after church today, if you can come meet me at the Welcome Center real quick, we need simple things. Terry's going to work on a meal that we're going to serve to the kids um, on Saturday at the high school. And then what I need is some host families to allow them to come and spend the night with you on Saturday night after the performance, and then you bring them to church here with us on Sunday, and then afterwards drop them back off at the school for their Sunday performance. Um, That's one thing. The other thing we're going to need is some listeners. So after the performance, we're going to have like an altar call type thing. And sometimes we have 20 to 30 to 40, I've seen as many as 50 people that come to the back listening room um, where we are literally just listening to them. Um, We'll have a counselor on hand for the big stuff. But what happens is us as a church or the area churches, we'll follow up with them and we'll just pour our love into them and tell them about Jesus to help them through the struggles that they are going through every single day at school and in their lives as teenagers. So our youth group, our kids, please, if you have friends that want to go and they can't afford a ticket, get with me. I have tickets to give. All right? So if you can see me right after, I just need some help getting the word out. I have posters. I have brochures. You guys should all have gotten a brochure or a little thing on your chair. Take any extras. Pass them out. If you know anyone where you're going to lunch today after church, please hang a poster. See me. I have posters. So we should be placard everywhere um, for the performances coming up. Okay? Thank you guys so much.
0: Hey, let's stand and let's sing the song. This is about a salvation's tide that's rising. It's just not about you, it's about God's greater purposes. Let's sing this song close
2: There is no limit to your power, there is no stopping what you plan. You give us faith to move the mountains and hope to dream again. We see the fires of revival, the darkness giving way to light, the glory of your grace advancing. Let it burn up the night. Let it burn up.
3: Sons and daughters, one. And at the cross, we are united. Our hope